0: i'm very fascinated now about what is crabbing crabbing is catching crabs in, in
1: the good way, not the bad way. So, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. you, you go out into the water, um, in in my case, the Chesapeake Bay, and you wade out maybe a hundred feet in, you got a a string with a a piece of chicken on one end and it's attached to Uh a PVC pole on the other. And you stick the PVC pole into the sand, uh, and you, you go back to your, your beach chair for, you know, five or 10 minutes and sip on a beer. And, and when you see the line go taut, right, it means there's a crab trying to pull the chicken drumstick away from, from the beach. And you walk out there with your big old net and you slowly pull up the string and scoop, and hopefully you get a, a Chesapeake
0: blue crab. Gotcha. So, and you're very specific about the PVC pole. So basically you're fishing crabs with a fishing rod, which is made out of PVC. Why the PVC? I mean, it's not really a fishing <gasps> rod It's
1: just like a piece okay. of PVC pipe that you get from Home Depot,
0: okay. and then you like
1: saw it off at the right length, um, and then you. Like, so it's like, like old say, school it.
0: do-it-yourself. It's very break. old
1: school. Yeah, love it. This is like a three-dollar yeah.
0: fishing rig for crabs. Solution. Gotcha. Yeah. Amazing, and that's your hobby besides you know kayaking. What, what are we right. talking about? White water
1: reversal? I'm I'm not nearly that talented, skilled or ambitious. Uh, so I'm, I'm more partial to Chesapeake Bay, um, which is you know just sort of just inside from the ocean here in, in Virginia. And uh, you can just sort of go kayaking out and actually um, kayaking out among dolphins is, is, is one of the big. Thrills. Oh, wow. So you will have dolphins swimming around, you know, sort of hunting for fish as the tide goes in or the tide goes out. And if you can hop on the kayak when you see them and start paddling really hard out there, you can be like actually kayaking in among the dolphins and they don't, they don't mind. I think they're sort of slightly curious. You can hear the dolphins breathe and the little blowholes and stuff. And like, oh, oh, wow. You can get within like six or eight feet of them sometimes on, on a
0: really good day. I think that the last time I was near dolphins that or swam with dolphins that was in Nueva in uh, the Sinai Peninsula and we're talking about I'm afraid to say it's like almost yeah 25, 27 years ago so it's 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 been a while wow yeah no yeah it's a it's one of those realizations like yeah I swam with a dolphin like almost 30 years ago shit but yeah. never mind that um, By the way, um, Virginia, Ida passed through. Are you guys okay?
1: Yeah. uh, Ida passed basically fully to the north of us. Mm. Um, So got, I don't know, a little bit of rain here and there. But Virginia is a pretty uh, moderate climate, actually. Like, it's very rare for a hurricane to have a, a major impact here. It's happened, but it's pretty rare. And, you know, it's just swampy. That's the worst thing about Virginia. It's just That's a word. one big swamp in the eastern half of uh, the state.
0: I'll just jump into the introduction. Do I really need to introduce you? I think that everyone knows who you are. It's like you and Jay Whitethrob are like the most famous people. And especially for you today, I have a hat. So uh,
1: I, I, I'm not so arrogant to believe that I don't need an introduction. But
0: uh, uh, would you like me to introduce myself? Okay. No, no, no. Today I have a caribou. Wow, that will be such a long list of things that you've done. So more famous for third act ventures, but third act is just your life or the third act of your life. Uh, very familiar for QED, Capital, and the latest, which please, please pronounce the, uh, the name of the new venture correctly, because I keep failing at that. Yeah. Semper verens which is Thank roughly translates uh, Latin
1: to "always growing" or "always green," something like that. Um, it's a little bit of an odd name for a VC fund, but it's it's what we got, so we we run with it. But the idea behind it is very cool. Yeah, so this is this actually um, it came about for me uh, from one of the other conferences that I helped to launch uh, HR Transform, really focused on future of work, the impact of technology on the workplace, and uh, a couple guys that I met through that. We're launching a new boutique VC fund, Semperverance, really kind of an ecosystem fund where they were bringing in a bunch of current and former senior HR executives and benefits brokers, um, uh, actually an accelerator focused on future work. And so I got to talking with them and they they brought me on as um, first a special advisor and then a member of their investment committee and then more recently, early last year, became a general partner in the fund as well. So I, I couldn't quite escape the gravitational pull of, of venture.
0: Yeah. How is that different from uh, QED? Because that has also its gravitas. Yeah.
1: So QED, you know, it's, it's so funny looking back on it. We, we started that uh, back in 2008, uh, really focused on any uh, company, any startup that uses data intensively in its business strategy. Uh, over time, we evolved to really be very focused on fintech, uh, did some insure tech uh, within QED, no surprise. Um, and uh, and actually QEDs since then um, uh, actually made really amazing uh, efforts in Latin America too. I mean, with, mm-hmm. with a little bit broader mandate than just fintech uh, down there. Um, so, uh, but there's a lot of similarities, a lot actually uh, that drew me uh, to Sempervirens because of the similarities in the approach and the theory of of how they were going to be doing things to to what we did at QED in the early days. And it's just sort of different sector, but uh, same sort of key DNA. Again,
0: if we're talking about, you know, your latest latest VC and the things, it sounds as if that you are following the different, you know, conferences that you're involved in. There is Agile Connect, of course, ITC, which is the most... Famous one, and now we are reaching and talking about Blueprint.
1: That's right. So, you know, it's sort of um, fintech adjacent uh, and, you know, try to stick to things that I kind of know a thing or two about maybe. Uh, But yeah, Jay and I were looking at, okay, where else is there a need? Where else is there an opportunity uh, in, in some ways to replicate what we like to think makes ITC pretty good, uh, where there's a, a need for the entrepreneurs and the investors and the innovation executives from within the industry to all convene, exchange ideas and with the right mindset too. Right? I, I think that's yeah. that's maybe the hallmark, if I you know, can, can call it that, of what we've done on these events is it's not just who's there, it's sort of how they're there. It's the mindset that they bring for those couple days, right? And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, look, there's plenty of fine insurance conferences and events out there, but I I like to think that InsureTech Connect is where people go with the most sort of open-minded perspective, the most like, okay, my other 362 days of the year, I got to get certain things done and so on. But for these three days, I can explore and contemplate what's possible and talk to the people who are actually building what's possible, right? And think about it, um, uh, with a sort of open openness. And I think there's a similar opportunity for the real estate tech prop, take prop tech space. And I think mm-hmm. that's what we're trying to tap into with blueprint.
0: So basically replicating the success of ITC. And I really love the, way, the, the way that you describe it, the, how they are there. Right. So taking that model and applying that in. Property technology, real estate technology. By the way, how do we pronounce Is that real tech, prop tech? Is there already like sort of an... In... You know, in, in the VC space, there's definitely this prop tech thing.
1: Okay. But, you know, contrary to how I and my fellow VCs like to think about the world, not everything actually revolves around venture capital. No. And so I, I, I know it's it's hard to imagine. How could that possibly be? I don't know. But... I think that in the real estate industry, Mm -hmm. they talk about it as real estate, not prop. (laughs) So I think that in practice for the, for the people who are, you know, already in the industry and innovating, right. They think about real estate tech and how can technology impact the real estate industry. And that, that spans everything, you know, from you know, the financing of it to construction to new sort of economic models around it um, and how sort of, gee, how do you need to accommodate, you know, uh, EV chargers into a multifamily property? I mean, it's just sort of, it's very wide and encompassing because real estate is very wide and encompassing of Mm -hmm. our, you know, experiences. And so I think that, you know, in a sense, real estate tech is a little bit broader mandate, a little bit broader perspective than the classic VC term prop tech.
0: So October 3rd until October 6th, we are all gathering in Mandalay Bay, in Vegas, in short, Connect, from the, I would say, I I think that a few of us are going to be there October 2nd. I think that my original flight is for Saturday. I need actually to talk to Sam about it. But, um, because a couple of small changes. Um, But then that's going to be on level two of Mandalay Bay and on level three, of course, there is a blueprint property technology. What should... ITC participants expecting Blueprint, who should they meet and what's the value?
1: Yeah, so it's not a coincidence that we decided to do Blueprint at the same time and uh, in the same venue as ITC because we saw a great deal of overlap, you know, particularly anyone on the insurance side who's involved on the PNC side of things. Right. And, And that, you know, can be business interruption it can be obviously something like homeowners, right? anything there where the actual insured, right, the actual mm-hmm. thing that, that is at risk is connected to real estate, whether it's real estate being open, whether it's real estate returned to office, whether it's real estate actually damaged to the to the property. So we think that people from the insurance side of the world will have value in understanding like what's coming next, where are the innovations happening in the the physical building side of the world. And actually, I think that the, the people who are real estate professionals, real estate innovators and in- investors, they'll be really interested to hear the perspective of people who work on the, the risk and insurance side of the world.
0: Yeah. I had the pleasure of talking with a few folks in the, on the insurance side. And it's as we can expect, right? Insurance company Many different tools, many different responsibilities. Part of them saw that in, of course, in in different perspectives. At the beginning, they were like, Well, we don't sell insurance to construction companies because, in their mind, it was all about, Oh, this is an opportunity to sell insurance, especially big commercial insurance. Or was it more about, Oh, can we be proactive to our homeowners, policy owners, right? If we are looking at Hippokin. And all the let's call it uh, proactive in terms of the uh, risk mitigation and trying to help with the the homeowners' uh, leak detectors, etc. For them, it was a little bit. It made more sense. Yeah, I, I actually like like where you were going. I think
1: around um, you know, we, we, our tagline for Blueprint is it's the future of the built world, right? But someone's got to build that world. Like literally, some person or set of people have to be building it. That means there's workers comp there too. Like as you start to look at the interaction between, you know, real estate and everything that entails, it's obviously such a, a huge part of the the world here, and insurance, which is another huge part of the world, you start to see more and more of those those intersecting areas on the Venn diagram, right? And that's what we're hoping to capture a little bit of um, by having the two events be, you know, at the same time in, uh, you know, different floors of one venue.
0: The, one of the other interesting things that mainly startups immediately go at is distribution channels. You can have unique distribution channels within Blueprint and especially right. the SaaS companies that are responsible for the discovery of the real estate or, or the payments, the billings. There are, the, there are all kinds of, I would call it, um, cross-pollination that could there are yeah well, well no so. doubt you know embedded strategies right
1: are one of the hot you know buzzwords and uh, arenas in insure tech right and that's falling hot on the heels of you know embedded finance being one of the hot strategies over in fintech and all of these providers of different types of financial solutions financial mm-hmm. services are very very keen to to knock on the door of the real estate intermediaries, right? And figure out, okay, how can we use real estate as a distribution channel, right? How could we use a mortgage servicer as a distribution channel? How could we use a landlord, right, as a distribution channel, right? Uh, So you start to get, uh, again, to your point around distribution, right? It it even takes it specifically to this hot button topic of embedded strategies, right? As being, you know, another Mm -hmm. part of that. That Venn diagram overlap.
0: Now, do you think it's only relevant for title warranty or companies that sell rent and home insurance that will work for them as well? Well, in terms of embedded strategies, I yeah. think that. Um, you know, look,
1: there's some interesting stuff going on actually on the, the multifamily rental side of things. Um, you think about, uh, there, there's a few companies I've talked to that are specifically looking at, well, we've got this security deposit that we ask renters to, to put in. Is that really the best way to protect, right? To manage the risk of, uh, them sort of jumping out of the lease early or doing damage to the apartment. And once you start talking about, well, it's the real estate industry's solution for managing risk, but maybe the insurance industry, maybe insure tech can come up with a different way of structuring that risk management. How do we make something that is insurance like rather than a security deposit? Like, mm-hmm. like, I think that's where you get sort of nice synergy in interaction here. You know, I think the the homeowner's side, um, you know, all of the innovations around payout and risk management and, you know, risk judgments and all is, is, nice, but more interesting if innovators can find ways to, to reduce the risk rather than just be better at identifying the risk. Right. And that's where you start to see these strategies that are really at, again you know, at the intersection mm-hmm. um, of, you know, how the, the homeowner can make their property less risky whether it's some internet of things kind of solutions, whether it's, um, you know, closing the feedback loop around, you know, I think about the, the various solutions out there that are trying to identify and quantify uh, heightened wildfire risk, right? mm-hmm. Of course there's always been flood risk, right? Improvements. How do we sort of identify those from a real estate perspective and cycle those back into the insurance side? And then in turn, use that to create economics that incent the homeowner right to reduce the risk and how do we as either insurance professionals or how do we as real estate professionals right get products in the hands of that homeowner so that they can be easily reducing the risk
0: and, Brown, you, you, and everyone can win from that yeah you touched so many different things that i hope that my memory can actually uh, service me in order to go one by one on those different bullets so uh, from the payments you touched about, something that a uh, jetty and a uh, trust layer provided from how you transfer the money, how do you guarantee that the uh, security and the fraud about transferring the money? Uh, we've seen especially, and that's a great point because what you're leading uh, leading to is a conversation about data. So we have uh, one of the episodes based on the queue is with Better View, the geospatial uh, services. That's a um, type of data that both industries can benefit from. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, most of my career has been in the business
1: of moving around bits, not atoms, right? Mm-hmm. So banking services are bits, insurance is bits, even in sort of most of future work stuff, not all of it, most of it is moving around bits, but real estate tech is, has the added element of, yeah, you're moving around both bits and atoms. Right in that industry, you're actually constructing things. Right, that's the atoms. If anything, m- maybe some of the most exciting aspect is well, now the real estate industry is getting more and more digital. It's it's getting more and more of a hybrid industry around moving both bits uh, and atoms, right, and not just the atoms anymore. And I think that that's exciting.
0: How do you think IOT plugs into this? So uh, here in
1: Virginia, when I'm not out uh, you know kayaking and crabbing like we were talking about at the beginning, um, I've got uh, a little device that actually I put on my water meter right? And that's meant to help me identify uh, both where I'm using water and how and am I wasting some, but also it's got an alert where if a certain amount of water is moving through my pipes, uh, on a, uh, for too long, I'm going to get an alert. Right. So think about that in the homeowner's perspective for IOT. Right. And that's, again, that's a nice example because it's at that intersection of both insure tech and, uh, real estate tech. Now, you know, I'm not that, uh, certainly not handy and I'm, I'm not all that tech savvy, but even I was able to, you know, uh, put this device on the water meter myself. Right? Once you start getting sort of a level deeper, Right. Once you start sort of the analog uh, for the, uh, the insurance audience of, of what's happened with telematics for automotive. Right. So, uh, you know, once upon a time was these hard installed telematics devices. And then it became something that you plug in uh, to the OBD on the car. And, and then it became an app. And now we're going full circle where it's hard, hard installed by the OEM, right, by the General Motors or Tesla or whomever. Right. It's, it's funny how those things go full circle i think for uh for property for physical buildings you can see maybe something similar right you know right right now the you know i've got this aftermarket device that i plug in for my water meter but eventually right the future of the built world looks like these these sensors that are already built in when when the property is constructed right and then that gets fed into Uh, you know, into some platforms for being used for multiple purposes, right? For safety, for uh, uh, waste, you know, sort of avoiding waste and maybe for insurance. Uh, I'm really looking forward actually to seeing the, to seeing as a guy who's going to be wandering around both events at the same time. Well, maybe mm-hmm. not exactly the same time. I'll probably alternate from one to the other. Uh, there's only one of me, I'm afraid. Um, but <laughs> I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to seeing how the VCs are different right, between the two sectors. Hmm. Um, you know, there, there's—I'm sure there'll be some who are you know looking at both sectors in common. But uh, one of the things I want to try to observe and take away is okay, what's the the language? What's the mindset of the real estate tech investors, and what's the mindset and the language of the insure tech investors? What's the same, but where are they also different? Kind of curious to see that.
0: How about the startups? How do you think the startups or the incumbents? Because that's actually a good question. Who are the incumbents? Are those the development companies? Is that Zillow? Who do who do we define as an incumbent in the pop tech? Yeah, there, there's
1: so many. In our, yeah, look, you know, you, you've got um, you. you You've got the incumbents, right, Who are the construction companies? You've got incumbents who are uh, brokers, right? The role of brokers, particularly in commercial, right, matters a great deal. Wait, was I talking about insure tech or real estate tech? I'm not sure, right? The the, the role of uh, agents is still very important mm-hmm. for, uh, you know, the, the sort of consumer side. Oh, wait, which was I talking about? It uh, you, you get the idea, right? You yeah, have the, it, the it, developer,
0: the construction, the, the brokers, or the agents. That's right. You have the also agents. the managing right. uh, companies because mm-hmm. if it's That's a right. you have a block or, or a, right. a large commercial, yeah, it, yep, yes. Yeah, so, so, so my, my point is that you've
1: actually got um, uh, incumbents uh, of uh, really on every part of the value chain, right? and, you, and you, in and you do have the ones like the Zillows of the world, right? Who are you know maybe sort of like InsureTech 1.0 analog, right? Um, they've succeeded, they've won, right? At the first round of innovating, right? Uh, they went public, they built some real value. They're, they're a household name. Um, and, and now, you know, I think they're sort of, uh, are they in an incumbent or are they a startup? Well, they're sort of in between. One of the questions is, okay, but what, what real matters is, but how are they innovating next? That's the interesting question, right? How does a Zillow, you know, light up an iBuyer? how does BlackRock or Blackstone or any of those, you know, big money centers light up an iBuyer, right? What does that look like? What's the compare and contrast? Um, so I, think there's all sorts of like big company, you know, st- big company disruptors, right. As well as big company incumbents. Right? Um, but what, what I've actually found super interesting as I've gotten deeper and deeper is just how, uh, the incumbents are not sleepy, how the incumbents do have innovation arms. Um, this is this is not uh, InsureTech circa 2015, to be honest. Um, you know, in 2015, InsureTech was just beginning to be a thing. Like, you know, if you Googled InsureTech and, you know, you know or if you look at Google Trends for the term InsureTech in 2015, 2016, it's like almost nothing. I think real estate tech, prop tech, like it's, it's already a thing. And... Uh, what I think the, what what I, I don't believe has existed yet is this, this opportunity for the different types of innovators and the different types of investors to actually come together, you know, back to where we started with the right mindset around openness to new ideas and innovation.
0: You know, I would say that an interesting anecdote, or I don't know if it's even an anecdote that actually life insurance, they are interested in property. Because their investments are in property and they have that exposure. And if new technology can provide them better understanding about their risk in their big pot of gold of what's going on in real estate, that's a bonus. So that was a certain feedback, which it was funny because the people who are responsible for the pot of gold or basically chief investment officer, they don't usually come. To ITC, so it will be interesting to see if we're starting to pull in or to ITC that type of uh, uh, of roles and responsibilities. But that's okay,
1: right? Of course, real estate is such you know such the massive asset class, mm-hmm. and uh, so and and as you say, the uh, the life insurance companies, uh, first among all, you know, really need to find ways to deploy those
0: premiums until they have to pay out. 2015, InsurTech starts, 2016, the
1: first ITC. Of course, it's one of my favorite stories to tell. Um, I was starting to focus my attention on the InsurTech category from an investment perspective within QED. And, uh, you know, I like to say it smelled like something really interesting was about to happen in the sector. I was looking for a good industry conference to go to, um, assuming that there was already uh, a really good one or two out there. And I just couldn't find anything that fit what I needed. Uh, so I had the harebrained idea, since I needed to exist, maybe I should just try to create it. Um, and very fortunate for me, um, a guy that I was working with on the team, previously had worked, spent some time with Jay Weintraub, who of course knows how to actually create a conference, right? Not, not silly me, at least who has twice. no idea. What, <laughs> yeah, at least. Uh, and so... Uh, Jay and I got introduced uh, and it's, it's actually great, great fun because, uh, he starts telling me, oh yeah, I want to start this in sure conference. And I said, well, hold on, you know, we so do I. And so this is either going to be a really short conversation, right? Because we want to build competing ones or a really long conversation because we're going to actually find a desire to collaborate and build one great thing. Um, and, and Jay will acknowledge he, his was a little bit more narrow, his idea. Uh, and mine was a little bit more broad in terms of what the the sort of full value chain of insurance and innovation needed to be about and so i was fortunate to be able to persuade him uh to build the conference that i wanted to go to uh and and then uh based on that like we we built it uh based on a focus group of one we built it on what i wanted to go to Uh, we built it for a focus group of one a focus group of just me and, um, you know, the, the premise actually, I think this this is actually a startup lesson, right? And, and sure Tech Connect was a startup for a while. Uh, and, and the lesson is like build to be great for a very targeted, narrow segment, right? Even if that is a segment of one person, but who, who can really articulate, here's what I need, right? If you can deliver greatness to that one person, then your bet is, well, we can find other people who have a similar need. And, and usually that's going to be the case, right? One person's need is not usually so unique, so rare. And then you can build beyond that, right? So we we started to get regulators attending and and broadening it out. It was great. Um, But, you know, I always say way better to solve for, you know, to solve great for one person's need than to solve for good for a bunch of people's needs, uh, because that's just not going to be very compelling. So so
0: Jay built it because I needed it. That's really all it comes down to. I love it. I love it. Such a great story, which I'm sure that you told like hundreds of times. But still, I needed to have it because your first time on, on the InsureTech talk. So, I had to ask it. It's like it's, it, a, it's it like really going to never get old, jack, Especially when it's it's a good story.
1: Uh, yeah, HR Transform um, was actually the second conference that Jay and I worked on together, uh, and you know, really focused on. There's something interesting going on around the future of work. It's funny we were actually a little bit wrong in a way. Like when we started in 2017, we thought, "Oh, there's all these VCs who are going to be all future of work oriented," and really hard to find VCs who would raise their hand in 2017 and say, "Yeah, future of work—that's that's what I invest in. That's what I I love." Um, and uh, but good news was, well, it turns out there were lots of other kind of people, uh, HR executives. Um, uh, software for built startups, building new software for the future of work. And then this COVID thing happens, right? Uh, which, you know, kind of lousy if you're in the business of organizing mass gatherings, right? Mm-hmm. So like literally we had to cancel the HR transform in 2020, like two weeks before the event itself was scheduled. And then, you know, we had to move entirely digital, you know, that year and this past March was entirely digital. Uh, but in a sense, it's also COVID is this big tailwind for future of work and future of work investment. Yeah. Uh, so now I think the venture community, right? Uh, the investors, certainly the entrepreneurs understand that there's this massive opportunity catalyzed by, you know, basically COVID broke a bunch of inertia, right? COVID said, COVID was a, a platform shift in my view, right? Changing what people believe is possible, Um COVID made a bunch of legacy ways of doing things obsolete. And that's a platform shift, just like the move to the PC or the internet or smartphone. And so in the workplace, now there's both a, an imperative, a need and an opportunity to do things different. And so it's a very ripe area, uh, whether it's around like the software to make the people at, at a company better, more effective, or whether it's actually healthcare-related innovation. Because in the US, the employer is the gatekeeper for healthcare and healthcare decisions. In many cases, it's actually the payer for so much of healthcare for people. And so actually the future of work as a category is expansive enough to include some of the healthcare innovation. I mean, I don't mean big, deep biotech, but like, okay, we've gotta get mental health benefits for our employees. How are we gonna do that? How are we going to do that in a, if they can't go see people in person, what does that look like? Right. Those are future of work kind of problems that great entrepreneurs are solving. And you know, investors now are starting to really invest it. In. I think interior tech connect this year is going to be amazing. I think that the energy level in part, because it's a little pent up energy level yep. is going to be even more through the roof than it usually is. You know, I like what someone once said, I went to a rock concert
0: and it turned out an InsurTech conference broke out. Like, I get it. I love it. I was Um, just four weeks in Israel meeting with the local InsurTech scene there. And they're all just like, yep, we are going to be in Vegas. We have the booster in. We are, you know, we are all ready. And everyone, including myself, I, I used that opportunity to get the booster in Israel just on the the five months uh, dot as the Israeli, whatever their CDC or FDA uh, authority uh, recommends. And we are all ready.
1: Yeah, look, I think that the, uh, I, 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 like, I like how you say it broadly, right? They're all ready. We're all ready, right? Right. Um, you know, I'm actually uh, my wife and one of my sons is joining me too. Like, we're ready. It's it's, uh, uh, and, and I think that the the it comes back to the mindset for people too. Like, starts with okay, we got to make this reasonably safe. Like, yes, there's risk everywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, I go to my grocery store. There's risk. Right. What are we doing to make sure that ITC is a very low risk environment for people? Right. I think we're doing that well. I certainly hope so. Um, and then, uh, you know, once we've got that, that baseline if we've made it as safe as can be for people and we're make it prudent. Okay, great. Now, how do we do everything we can for that social engineering where people can actually get business done? Like mm-hmm. that's the, that's the goal. That's, you exactly. know, I, look, I, I think that my measure is I want people who attend at the end of three days being there, they feel like they still did not have enough time, despite spending 18 hours a day three for three full days, <laughs> meeting with people, seeing the panels, listening to the keynotes, right? Having the serendipity of walking into someone and learning what they do and saying, oh, wow, that's really interesting. I actually was thinking about this myself. Like those are the kinds of things. And I think that there will easily be enough people and quality people wandering around that you know the many thousands who will be there they will not have enough time right to to be there because
0: there's just so much to see and do for me it's going to be very interesting if last no sorry if two years ago i was there as a founder that walked. 22 miles every day, or 22,000 steps. <laughs> really depends. I, I don't really know. It's like the IFA. No, I was a founder that his whole purpose was to create new relationships with insurance companies, partnerships with other uh, produce areas, and of course to meet as many investors as possible. Before that, I was an incumbent. I was with Farmers Insurance, different, com- or I came as a, a community right in short Los Angeles this year I'm as a consultant external consultant to ITC I'm going to put on my well not this hat or that hat sort of <laughs> uh, the ITC hat and act as a host I will follow your lead and jail or whatever so it's going to be a little bit different right and it's it's I'm just waiting for it. So we can make sure that it's the best show that we can do under all the conditions. Now,
1: I am really confident that people will be very satisfied and very exhausted by the end from ITC this year.
0: Yes. And the point was, which of course I completely missed my own punchline, was that no matter how many miles as a founder or whatever that was, and how many meetings, 15 minutes, you know, uh, 15 minutes, uh, that it never, it's never enough because that's only the beginning of a conversation that you're going to follow up the following week or the following month. And of yeah. course, maybe, maybe I'll money. end things
1: with, 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 with yes. this,
0: this anecdote for you,
1: please. Um, because at the we first, talk, yeah, at the first insure tech connect, right. Mm-hmm. October, 2016. We didn't know how many people we would have. We were like, oh, if we have 600 people, that's good. A thousand would be almost too many. We had 1500. We were nervous about the fire marshal, but I still remember during one of the lunch hours taking a hundred paces back, right? And just seeing a thousand people talking to each other, yeah. who for the most part, would not have been having those conversations, but for this little event that Jay and I pulled together. And I, I, I tell you, I don't know that there's another thing that's more satisfying in my personal career than that moment.
0: Can you give us a recommendation that you picked about something that you picked up in the past, well, 18 months? It can be a book, TV show, how to manage your kids, what, ah. how to, to, I don't know, to fish a crab or yeah. crabbing. I I I recommend a book trilogy uh
1: the three body problem hmm. um it's a uh, by a chinese author uh translated because my mandarin is non-existent mm-hmm. uh but uh, uh the three body problem is uh, a dense uh but excellent um uh series and and it's technically science fiction but it's really more social commentary.